Wow. Amen. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died. And she was left with her two sons. And these took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah and the name of the other was Ruth. And they lived there about ten years. And both of her sons died. So that she was without her two sons. And Naomi was without her husband. So the two of them, Naomi and Ruth, went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And, when the, and the women said, is this Naomi? And Naomi said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? Hey, Lord, we are about to uh, enter into a series here that you know is just something that is so hard for us to grasp. It is truth that seems upside down to us. And I'm actually encouraged in one aspect by Naomi's response in that she's struggling to see God the way we should see you in her life when life is hard. She's struggling with the what's up when life is so down. And Lord, I realize that this morning there are many here who are just frankly at a point in time in their life where they're just thrilled with what's happening in their lives and just exciting and it's just a, a joyful, wonderful time. And yeah, Lord, I realize there are many here this day who are in what uh, we could call a call me Mara for the Lord is presently dealing bitter with me place of life. Lord, we all come to the table this morning before you, Father. Thank you for being in control. Son of God, act on our behalf. Spirit of God, intercede and illuminate our understanding of truth. And word of God, speak. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, open your Bibles to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, and if you don't have a Bible with you this morning, we've got some people who will be coming around with some, and you're welcome to borrow. Uh, if you're newer here, if you've been around for a while, and kind of your habit in your past is not to bring your Bible to church, I tell you, I want to uh, challenge you to start doing that. We are big about the Bible around here, and uh, nothing thrills me more than right at this moment hearing these pages turn, and uh, it's a joy. Well, we are in the start of a brand new series for us. We're going to be taking this series today in the next 11 weeks all the way up, uh, right up to uh, coming up to Easter here. And um, I'll tell you, this is going to be a doozy. And uh, I think many of you just today are going to leave 
wondering and just trying to wrestle this in your head. Because these next 11 weeks are going to be <laughs> pretty cool. Um, so let me start out with an upside down statement. Consider trials with joy. Consider trials with joy. In fact, let's go to James chapter 1 verse 2. Uh, consider trials with joy. Oh, look, James chapter 1 verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Uh, say upside down with me. Upside down. Uh, that is such an upside down statement, right? What kind of a statement is that? Totally. In fact, these first three verses are all upside down from how we normally think about life. But let me key in on these first three verses and break these out. Uh, verse 2, count it. Uh, the word here is in the Greek is called an imperative. It's an emphatic. In other words, it's kind of like a command. James starts out, he says, hi, I'm James. I'm writing to people all over. And uh, hey, you must count it. I mean, <laughs> this boy's like going right at it. And in this, this counting is the kind of a word where it's consider, regard. It has the idea where it's something that's chief in my thinking. It's the idea that I have to press something down in my thinking. In other words, this, this considering is not something that comes natural. It's not something that's just normal thought process. This is the kind of considering where it's like, I have got to put my head against this one and work this one through. That kind of counting. And James starts out and he says, you must count it. And he says, you must count it joy. Okay, definition for joy. Here we go. A supernatural delight, joy, a supernatural delight in the person, purposes, and people of God. A supernatural delight in the person, purposes, and people of God. And James is saying here, you and I must count it joy. Oh, by the way, how much or how broad are we supposed to be counting? It says we must count it all joy. That's everything. It's a whole encompassing reality. All. Added to this is the fact that in the Greek, the word joy is the first word in the sentence. Now, we have different ways in our grammar of uh, showing emphasis, but in the Greek, one of the ways was not only like in the verb with the imperative, but one of the other ways was to actually put the key, a keyword at the start of a sentence. It's kind of like it would start it out, and it's like, this is what is a, a key focus of what I'm trying to say. And the first word is joy. James is starting out, in essence, and he's saying, joy, you must count it in everything. Joy. This is about a supernatural delight. This isn't Tiny Tim tipping through the, you know, tiptoeing through the tulips, kind of. It's like, a, <laughs> I'm just feeling happy, and life's just swell. Uh, no, this is talking about a supernatural joy that's applied to something that seems completely upside down. Count it. One, two, three. Count it. Get after it. Reason it through. 
work it through. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials. By the way, it doesn't say if you meet trials. In fact, in the New International Version, those of you who have that, it, it says whenever. And that's really a good way to have it. Listen, it's not if you encounter trials. Hey, listen, if you're going through life and you're like, I hope I don't encounter trials, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. It's when, when you meet trials. The, the word meet, uh, the King James, uh, actually I think hits this really well. It says when you fall into trials. You know, you're kind of coming along and you're going through life and all of a sudden, boom, uh, the, the word is used to have this idea of strike. It's kind of like another way of looking at it. I'm walking along and sometimes, I remember when Karen and I were first dating in high school and it was at a graduation uh, party for her at some friend's house and it was in Minnesota. So it was like this, don't you love this weather? I love this weather, frankly. And uh, so we're at the door about to leave the house and I turn around to leave and I go, bam, because the glass door was there but the main door was open. And it's like, okay, everybody officially knows I'm an idiot, all right? And it's like that kind of a strike where you're there and oftentimes trials, it's not like, you know what, I see a trial coming in about three days, right? Sometimes maybe we kind of get an idea, but oftentimes trials have this thing of, it's like, boom, it just hits. When, not if, when you meet trials, definition for trial, a difficult circumstance, listen to this, a difficult circumstance allowed by God. Upside down thinking. A difficult circumstance allowed by God to form my conduct and my character. A difficult circumstance allowed by God to form my conduct and character. By the way, notice on it, it's trials. That's plural. Listen, they're coming. Multiples. When, not if. When you meet trials, and it even states, I love the honesty of the scriptures, various trials. God has a diversified buffet of trials all set in place for you and I. And here's the reality. We come to the appetizer of trials. We get the, the main meal of trials. We get the dessert of trials. And then the reality is we come on back around. And later on, when trials come, we come back again. And we go through again and again. And count it joy. <laughs> Hang with me. Count it joy. This is a moment when I want to ask this. Are you living the happiness boat world? Or are you living the count it all joy to be Christ-like boat world? What do I mean? Uh, those of us who have a few years on us, do you remember the show, The Love Boat? Oh, I never watched it because I was a Christian. Um, the Love Boat. I'm not a singer, Okay. And uh, I just say this, the love boat is kind of this. Life is about a cruise for me. And I just love life, and I just get to do what I want. And, ah, yeah, Jesus can kind of come on, just so it's a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more fun. And the love boat, la, 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 la. And then all of a sudden, 
love of the Bam! A missile hits. And a trial hits. And it's like, in that mindset, I am like, what is this about? Because you are now ruining my cruise. This is about my happiness. This is about my fun. This is about my... By the way, I paid for this cruise. And who is God to allow that to ruin my cruise? That's happiness living. And we all know about this boat, right? But the upside down thinking is, is the follower of Christ has not been called to live on the cruise ship self. The follower of Christ has been called to live on the cruise ship of becoming like Christ. And on that boat, I'm moving along and listen, I'm not like this is dark and dingy. I'm like, this is awesome. This is awesome. I get to be on this boat to be Christ-like. And it's like all of a sudden as I'm going through life as well. And then it's like, and I'm coming through life. And it's more like a gigantic, I just lost, what are those, paintball. And it's like this gigantic paintball comes and hits part of my boat. And as we're going to read here, it's like, look at that. God's going at that spot. God's bringing that spot to light in light of the catastrophe, in light of the situations that just happened, because God's trying to highlight that spot to grow me. Hey, listen, this whole thing of trials, as we go through these coming months, is going to push you, corner you, encourage you, convict you, and help you and I to get a biblical thinking of what life is about and trials are about. Upside down thinking. Consider it all joy. Let's keep going. Why? I think that's a good question to ask. Doug, you say consider it all joy, but like why? Uh, Verse 3, title it this way, because they produce trials, produce the staying power I need. Because trials produce the staying power that I need. Verse 3, verse 3, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let's break this out. For you know, uh, this is a present active participle. It has this idea of uh, present active. It's ongoing. It's continuing. It's not the kind of thing that a long time ago, I made a decision to follow and submit to Christ and be molded by Christ. And I did it back then. It's not talking about that. There's a different verb for that. What it's talking about is, is presently actively. Listen, all the time, one of the versions has, for you are knowing. It's a present, ongoing, moving, all the time kind of reality. And so James is saying, listen, you can consider it joy because you are knowing. I get it. I know that. Uh, By the way, this knowing, it's not just an intellectual knowing, but it's also experiential The Greek word is very clear on this, that it isn't just about, well, I know that because the Bible says that. Yes, that's first and foremost. But this comes into the place to where it's also, I know that, and I'm telling you, I've been through this, and I've seen it, and it's for real. 
i.e. David at Goliath. David reflects back upon when God gave him favor with the lion and the bear. Why was God giving him the lion and the bear? From the big picture of it all, to prepare him for Goliath. And David at the time of Goliath not only knew intellectually, cognitively, but David also knew experientially. He knew that it was about the testing of your faith. Hey, listen, trials from God's perspective are all about testing your and my faith. That's what it's about. Hey, do you believe that God is good? Do you believe that God is in control? And do you believe that God is using life to help grow you and I? Because if he is, it's all about testing our faith. Hey, trials are the point, are the place that are going to show you and I what you and I really believe. You see, when everything's going sweet and wonderful and moving along and really nice, it is so easy to say, God is all about good, and God is in control, and God loves me. And then you get to a place like Naomi, and you start going, I'm not sure if God's so good. Call me Mara. I'm not sure God is in control. Call me Mara. He's dealt with me bitterly. Listen, if you and I really want to know what our faith looks like, the question is, what does it look like in a trial? It's made bare, naked before God right then. That's what trials produce, show in us. They test. We're going to see that so much next week with Abraham. For you know that the testing of your faith produces. Listen, God isn't there just testing us like some kind of having some kind of sick joy ride. Like, you know what? I just love messing around with people. And I'm going to put something in Robin Shay's life and just because like, I don't know, because it would be funny. Like God's not that way. God is in the kind of process where he's testing our faith to produce something. He's seeking to see a result out of it. What's the result? Steadfastness. This is a very interesting word because the word is comprised of two words put together, a compound word. The first part of the word is translated as under. The second part of the word is translated as remain. Now, under remain doesn't makes sense to us. What it's saying is, is remain under. Steadfastness, perseverance, is the ability to remain under. Now that's what perseverance is. Someone who's able to persevere and hang in there, they're able to remain under. And look at the text, what it says. For you know that the testing of your faith produces in you an increasing ability to remain under. Count it all joy because trials produce staying power. Well, here's a good question. Why do I need staying power? Well, answer, because God wants to get a full transformation package done on you and I. We'll get there in just a second. Uh, James McDonald has an illustration of, uh, of a nail. And he says, the nail that doesn't remain under the hammer will not reach the objective for which it was created for. Let's think about this for a minute. What's the purpose of a nail? 
to get beat up on. No. No. A purpose of a nail is to be able to be a part of something that is much more beautiful and big than itself. It is to be there in a, in a place to be able to hold things together for a big purpose, for a design of something. And to get that nail there, to get that nail to accomplish and to put it in the place where it should be, it's got to be hit. And so a hammer comes and bam, and then strikes it, and then strikes it, and strikes it, not because it's like, I love crushing nails. It's because I'm seeking to get that nail in the place where it's intended to be. And that's what God is trying to do for you and I. Listen to me. God's love is a perfecting love, not a pampering love. God's love is a perfecting me love, not a pampering me love. Oh, so often in this country, frankly, as time goes on, I'm just getting more and more nauseated by the reality of Christianity. So often there's our country. I just want Jesus to be able to make me a little bit happier, a little bit cozier, just so take the guilt away, and then I can kind of do what I want. <sighs> Many will call me Lord, Lord, and yet I never knew them because they never knew me. Listen, you and I have been created for a purpose. We have been created to bring glory to the God creator of the universe. And sin has gotten in the way. And because of Christ, we can have forgiveness of the sin to be able to be back in relationship with God through Christ. And at that point in time, we are now a child of God. And now the objective is that you and I become like Christ. Christ ones. And God is all about seeing that happen. Because God knows that all the other stuff, whatever, but the eternal thing is, is God testing our faith, building our faith, helping you and I to be able to build up the capacity to remain under what? To remain under what God has allowed to bring in our lives. Why next? Verse 4. Verse 4. I choose to consider trials with joy because they produce the staying power I need. Verse 4. Here's the statement. To get the full transformation package that God has for me. To get the full transformation package that God has for you. Do you realize that God is in control? There is nothing that God is going to allow to come into your and my life that he does not know about and he is not filtering through to make sure that nothing will crush you, but everything coming through in life, God has allowed to grow you and I. And God brings things along in life because he knows that's just what I need. Doug, are you even talking about when people sin against me? God does not cause sin, but God is so big that he will even allow the sin of others to bring glory to him and growth in you and I. This is total upside down thinking. Are you with me on that? I realize for some of you today, this is just like, I got to wrestle with this one for a while. And I'm so glad because we got 11 weeks of wrestling. Here we go. To get the full transformation package. And it says, verse 4, and let. Uh, now, 
and let. What does that mean? It actually means a lot. Because this means that in it, I can stop something. I have the ability to stop something from happening. In other words, James is saying, listen, you need to count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. In other words, it's not done yet. The the remaining under power for what? And let steadfastness have its full effect on you. In other words, I can stop it. He's saying, well, I want to stop uncomfort. I want to stop pain. No, actually, we don't. Doug, you're sick. (laughs) The scripture is telling you and I, God is so sovereign. He is allowing things to take place in our lives. To help us. What am I talking about? And I can get in the way of letting that happen. I can get out from under and let remaining under have its full effect. What's the full effect? So that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Let me break these words down. Uh, Perfect. It's not perfect like we think of without error. Actually, in Colossians 1, it uses this term. All through the New Testament, this term is used. It's talking about maturing. It's talking about the the advancing. It's talking about developing you and I. Uh, It's talking about that maturing reality. So we're to be maturing, and the remaining under means that I'm going to be able to mature under this trial that God and His sovereignty is allowed to take place in my life. And not only that, but it says that you may be perfect and complete. This word for complete, (laughs) we could call it the holing of me. It's the entire package. God wants you and I to be Christ-like in all areas of our life. And, it's, uh, and God has this God view where he sees you and I, he knows in you and I what needs to be changed. And God's like, in Doug's life, I need to be working on seeing him growing in this area. And so guess what? Gigantic paintball on that spot. Because God loves me so much in a perfecting way, not in a pampering way, that he's trying to help me grow to be like Christ. And he wants that so bad, he's going to allow things to come into my life that just push me and push me, and they're uncomfortable. And parents, you know exactly what we're talking about with your kids. Listen. You pamper your kids and pamper and pamper and pamper and pamper. And what are you going to raise? Pampered kids that are brats and don't get life. And yet instead, there are times where you allow things to happen in their life so that they are forced to wrestle with stuff. I've done it. My wife's done it. And parents, you've done it too. If you understand what God will wants parenting to be about. And God is the perfect parent. And he allows things to come into our life to help move us. He has a transformation package for us. And the question is, is am I going to let him transfer me? Trials. A painful circumstance allowed by God to transfer, to transform my conduct and my character. The way out of a trial 
if we see a sovereign God, is by living through the trial. Do you believe that God is sovereign? Do you? Do you believe that God is all about perfecting you and allowing life to happen? Doug, you mean even things I haven't done wrong? I can get that, but you're talking about even things that happen against me? Ask Joseph. Ask Job. Ask Mary. Listen, this is upside-down thinking. But I want to tell you what, if we don't get this, we don't get life and we don't get God. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces the ability to remain under. And you need to let the ability to remain under have its full effect. Stay under. The pressure is down. Stay under, stay under, stay under, stay under. Because I know that as God allows things in my life, he's trying to do things in my life. And when I try and like a watermelon seed that I push down on, and that watermelon seed, as the pressure gets harder, it just shoots out. It's like, no, God wants me to remain under and remain under and remain under because he is trying to grow me. And listen, this takes maturity in thinking because this is so upside down. And trials require that we need God's help in them. Let's keep on going. Let steadfastness, steadfastness have its full effect so you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God's going after everything. Verse 5, and if any of you lacks wisdom, okay, stop. I hear this verse used oftentimes about just all kinds of wisdom. And yeah, we're to go to God for wisdom. But listen, James 1, this verse is not talking about, God, help me on my test tomorrow. It's not talking about that kind of wisdom. This is talking about trials wisdom. So as we go through trials, we need to ask God for trials wisdom. The context of the passage, trials before it, trials are after it. What are we asking God for? God, give me wisdom in the trial. Why do I need wisdom in the trial? Because this is all upside down thinking. Because in the trial, when it comes, you and I are like, I don't like this trial. Oh man, I get it. I don't like this trial. I don't want to have this. But yet, God, give me wisdom to understand and to think, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, that you're testing me. You are sovereign. You are trying to help me remain under it. Oh God, give me the wisdom to understand that. And God, give me the wisdom, the practical carrying out of that to remain under it and to be open to you and to be moldable. God, I'm here. Show me what you're trying to do in me. Listen, the question of God, why are you allowing this has already been answered. You don't need to ask the why question. The why does God allow trials? It's answered verses 2 through 4. Because follower of Christ, God is trying to grow you and I. That's why God is allowing trials. You go to Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. Verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good. But this sure ain't seeming very good. No, see, verse 29. 
has the answer to what the good is. The good isn't my love boat reality. The good in verse 29 is that he would conform me to be in the image of Christ. All is good because a sovereign God is over all and a sovereign God is using all to help me become more like Christ. The why question is answered. But God, help me endure. God, help me remain under. And God, make me moldable and sensitive to what you're trying to do in my life. Ask for wisdom. Uh, And if any of you ask wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously, God's not in a bargaining world, who gives generously to all without reproach. By the way, here's the way you can remember the reproach. What's he talking about? He's talking like this. Hey, listen, if you go in trial and you're asking God for wisdom, God's not going to go like this. Ah, That's really what that means in many ways. It's the kind of thing where it's like, don't ask me. Ah. It's the kind of thing where God's saying here, look, we take him. God, help me in this to remain under. Help me to grow that I have the wisdom to process through this as you would want me. And God, I know you're not going to bite my head off because he's trying to grow us and it will be given him, praise the Lord. Uh, next, verse 6 through 8, make sure you really want to know. Uh, but let him ask in faith. Let her ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a, a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he or she will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. Listen, it's God. God, I come to you, give me wisdom. And, but I don't think you have wisdom for me. God, I, I know you're in control. I'm not really sure you're in control because this is too much for me. Oh, I'm forgetting 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Oh, but uh, yeah, all trials, uh, you're sifting through and you're going to help me find a way out of that. That doesn't mean squirt out of it. It means grow out of it. And the tossing is the God, no, yes, no. He's sovereign, no. He loves me, yes. He's pampering me. He's perfecting me. It's just like the God's like, dude, listen. Part of the reason I'm giving this to you is to push your thinking and help you get cruising for Christ and get off the love boat. Verses 9 through 11, I'll just sum it up this way. Have a humble spirit. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, the rich in his humiliation. Listen, this is not a couple verses about money, rich and poor. It's about humility. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation because like a flower of the grass he will pass away for the sun rises with a scorching heat and withers the grass as flowers fall as beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Listen, here's the deal. God is trying to grow you to be like Christ. Beauty fades. Money leaves. You and I will die. But a relationship with God is forever. And those things are going to pass away. But what I'm talking about right here, James is saying, this whole thing of remaining under through trials, God is working to build eternal value in you. Be about that. Be about that. Well, and lastly, verse 12. (laughs) A statement for verse 12. I will seek to remain under the trials God sovereignly places in my life. It's an application, conclusion, if you will, statement. Look at verse 12. 
Blessed is the man, blessed is the woman who remains steadfast under trial. Oh, by the way, this word blessed, it's a very special uh, word in the New Testament. It it talks about, this word has this idea of this deep, inner, profound joy and satisfaction. It's not talking about the thing of, you know, I'm just going to think positive. This is talking about a God joy. This is talking about blessed, deep, satisfied, profound is the joy in the person who remains steadfast under trial. For when he, for when she has stood the test, remained under, he, she will receive the crown of life. Listen, this is not talking about earning salvation, but this is saying that God rewards. You are receiving the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. I choose to consider trials, those difficult circumstances allowed by God to form my character and to form my conduct joy. Upside down thinking. But joy is a supernatural delight in the person, purposes, and people of God. And because I'm doing that, trials will produce the staying power I need to get the full transformation package that God has for me. Upside down thinking. Well, <laughs> have I rocked your boat? Um, it rocked my boat in 1992. When this whole sovereignty of God and James chapter 1, for my wife and I, became a reality in our understanding of what Scripture is about. It's not about the love boat. It's about the becoming like Christ boat. And that boat rocks. But Doug, I don't get, I know, 11 more Sundays. But Doug, what does that look like in real life? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that because guess what? For the next 11 Sundays, we're going to be looking at 11 real people. And it all comes back to this. 11 people who went through trials. So many people look at the Bible and look at the Bible and have this idea that all these people just had it all easy. But we're going to look at Abraham next week. And then we're going to look at Joseph and David and Habakkuk and Job and Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar, Hosea, the disciples, on and on. Whew. And we're going to look at these people and we're going to look at them and we're going to see how they have taken this upside down thinking and put it into their life Successfully as well as unsuccessfully. And we're going to hear of people who are tested, who are abandoned, who are harmed, who are sinned against, who are discouraged, who experience catastrophe, who experience compromise, who experience failure and fear. Just like you and I do. Let's pray. Lord, I realize this is heavy, heavy duty truth, theology, and reality.
and God, I know. I knew coming into this one that this is going to rock our boat. But God, <laughs> when we look at what your purposes are for helping us to become like Christ, our rightful response should be, God, rock my boat. Because I realize that it's in the rocking of my boat times. That's where my faith shows. That's where my faith is really grown. And that's where you're at work in my life. Oh Lord, I, you know I struggle to live what I'm talking about. You know that we struggle to live what we're talking about. And Lord, today, maybe some are just like blown away. So we come to you and ask for trials, wisdom. Help us to understand this. Help us to grasp this. And help us to look at life totally different. God, for those in a trial right now, Give them, help them apply truth that they would remain under, see you in it, and have a supernatural joy that you're doing a work in their life right now. And God, for those who are not in a, quote, trial right now, may we be ready. Not because you're after us in a mean kind of way, but because you're after us to grow us. And may we receive it with joy. Lord, blessed be your name in all things. Help us to live that reality. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.